But just imagine 250 miles an hour blowing a concrete house and the whole house felt like there was an earthquake. It was actually moving at times. It felt like a dragon was outside blowing fire trying to get in. It was just absolutely insane. Water was coming through the windows from down below. Um, Doors wouldn't open. Things were smashing. It was terrifying. Episode 339, an update from Nate Marr about Vieques and Hurricane Mariah damage. You're listening to the Adventure Sports Podcast, brought to you by 180 Tech. We talk with adventurers from around the globe to bring you the inspiration and motivation you need to get started in the outdoors or to keep you moving if you're already there. Now here's your host, Kurt Linville. Hi friends, Kurt here. Today we have a special show for the Adventure Sports Podcast. We have Nate Marr on the line, and way back in episode 172... Nate joined us to talk about his charter sailing boat company out of Vieques, Puerto Rico. It's a beautiful episode that in where we talk about the paradise down there and how much fun it is to go sailing in the Caribbean and about what Vieques is like and Puerto Rico is like. But we're honored to get Nate back because Nate was there for the hurricane season. And when Maria hit, he was a part of it. And now he is part of a a fundraiser that is setting up solutions for future hurricanes as well as relief for current struggles that people are having still in Vieques. So I wanted to get firsthand from Nate what it was like to go through that. The reality is that anytime you go through something like this, it's challenging. So we want to uh, visit with Nate and find out more about what it was like and what it continues to be like in Puerto Rico right now. Nate, welcome to the program. Hi, Kurt. Thanks for having me again. Well, Nate, you know, I want everyone to go back and listen to your previous episode because I think it is a beautiful intro for this episode. You know, we kind of get the before and the after that way. So, again, that's episode 172. Um, if you don't see that on iTunes, just go to our website, adventuresportspodcast.com, and you will find it there. The fastest way to get to it is to go to the episode categories link, and then you'll find it under sailing there. Nate, wow. Man, we were, we were in touch right after Irma missed Puerto Rico, and you were saying that things are pretty good. And then, what was it, 10 days later, Maria slammed you guys, and it took a while for us to get back in touch again. I'm glad to hear that things went okay for you, that you're still healthy and all that kind of stuff, but what was it like? Yeah, Kurt, it was, um, God, I've been through several hurricanes um, living in the Caribbean, and this was just unbelievable. I mean, the one word I used to describe it uh, was ferocious. Um, The house that I was in um, was very strong. It's a, a concrete house, reinforced concrete, so incredibly strong and safe. Um. But at times, the winds, I mean, it's debatable what the wind actually was. Some people say up to 250 miles an hour, the gusts. Um, wow. So just in that neighborhood. Yeah, it's it's actually um, the equipment that was recording the wind speeds at the time. Uh, most of them were damaged, so it's just stopped recording. So we're not really sure what it actually was. But just imagine, you know, 250 miles an hour, you know, blowing a concrete house and the whole house felt like th- there was an earthquake. It was actually moving at times. So it actually, it felt like, um, <laughs> it felt like a dragon was outside, you know, just blowing fire trying to get in. It was just absolutely insane. Water was coming through the windows from down below. Um, doors wouldn't open. Things were smashing. Um, it was just absolutely, it was terrifying. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and it was at night, too. And it always seems like they happen at night, so you can't see what's going on. You just, you wait, and then you think it's the worst of it is is passing now. And an hour later, it gets worse. You know, oh. and it's just, it went on for about 16 hours. Oh, that sounds horrific. It really does. It sounds horrific. You know, just to put it in perspective, if you jump out of an airplane, terminal velocity is 120. I mean, that's the point at wow. which you don't accelerate anymore because the air is enough to support your body weight. What that also means is if you're standing on the ground and a 120-mile-an-hour wind comes by, it can pick you up and throw you. And you're talking about speeds double that. 
Yeah, he, the <laughs> the the clear coat on on my car, the paint, the clear coat actually blew off, oh. um, which is incredible. And you know there was just there was debris everywhere. We lost every tree in the yard, which was sad because we had fruit trees, we had mangoes and avocados. All the trees are completely down. There's nothing. It looked like um, the island got a big haircut, basically, and just total destruction. It's absolutely insane. No power poles left standing. Um, all the roads blocked. Um, obviously, no electricity. And to this day, we're 92 days in, I believe, and there's no electricity. Running water is kind of sketchy, um, and there's still a boil water order before you drink it. Mm. You know, I saw online someone described it as like a 16-hour tornado <laughs> instead of a hurricane. Yeah. I mean, this kind of a hurricane, it really is. It's hitting tornado speeds. It's not It's not just strong winds. These are unbelievable winds. And, and rain as well. Now, did the rain do as much as the wind, or was the wind your primary concern? Um, it was the wind that was the primary concern, and uh, the island of Vieques isn't very steep, so we didn't have to worry about mudslides um, on our little islands, but um, it was mostly the wind that we were concerned about that did all the damage. So, tell you what let's do. I think this would be absolutely interesting and, and worth it. Could you just walk us through what happened starting a few days before um, Maria hit? And then taking us through to a few days after it hit, and then we'll jump into what, what conditions are right now. But I'd like to know what you were personally going through, trying to take care of your sailboat and your business and, and your neighbors and all that kind of stuff. Sure. So we were actually, um, Hurricane Irma had just missed us by um, about 50 miles to the north. So we actually didn't sustain much damage on our island. And so we were just kind of putting things back together and getting ready for a great season. Um, cause there was a lot of damage to other islands and they were completely, um, devastated. So we were actually looking for a very busy season, um, upcoming over the winter. And so we were just kind of getting ready for that. There was actually marketing campaigns going out and then all of a sudden, uh, Maria formed and uh, changed everything. And we had about, we had about a week's notice, which is a fair amount of time, but there's a lot to do. And every time you look at the forecast, the intensity was increasing, you know, it goes from a tropical storm to a category three and then a four. And then it was about, I think, I don't know, 12 hours out. And then they said it's going to be a five and a very strong category five. Mm. And so, you know, we had to obviously secure all the sailboats and all of that, um, which we did to the best we possibly could. Um, and then we moved to the houses and, you know, board up windows and all of that and make sure everything's secure. Um, and being a small island off of a larger island the only way to get there is by a ferry or to fly and so that's the same way our supplies come over um, all of the food comes over on trucks on the ferry and also all of our fuel gasoline and diesel and propane so to get all of that you know they have to plan to ship over extra which um, you know as the seas build up they can't do it so ferries were uh, being canceled um, or delayed and so you can just imagine the lines at the grocery stores um, completely, you know, all the photos that you see of empty shelves. That's what it was like. You know, lines are hours long. Gas lines. We only have three gas stations on the island. The gas lines were some people were saying they're waiting six to eight hours to get wow. gas. Um, so it's just incredible. And so the storm hit and I, you know, I described that it was just it was awful. We were actually. Um, in my house, we were hosting some live-aboard sailors, um, since obviously they're not going to stay on their boat. So they were um, in our house. And after the storm was over, we just all walked outside and, you know, it's, your your jaw hits the ground. And you're like, oh, my God, the entire island turned brown. All the Every leaf on every tree was gone. It's, there was no vegetation left. All the trees um, were just in piles like matchsticks. It looked like someone took a box of matches and just dumped them on the ground. Mm. It was just incredible. So obviously cell phone service um, was down immediately. And uh, so then we're all just wondering about our other friends on the island. and Are they okay? <clears throat> and every road is blocked. You can't drive. And so you just start walking. You know, it's just... Tough. <clears throat> tough, tough, tough. 
So you start walking just hoping that you find people are okay. <clears throat> yep, so you start walking and, you know, try to find everyone that you can and just, you know, just kind of ask questions to everyone you meet and see if they're okay and have they heard from, you know, this person or that person. And after a couple of days, um, people just kind of put up message boards, like big sheets of plywood painted black and said, write messages here for each other because this is going to be a central meeting point. Hmm. Or if you're okay, put your name on the list. <clears throat> so it's just, uh, it's, <clears throat> it's really hard. I can't imagine what it's like to go through something that's that devastating. And it's not just for a family. It's devastating for the whole society. It's devastating for everyone there. Yeah, it's just, uh, it's just awful. So um, I, I was probably one of the lucky ones immediately after the storm I had access to a satellite phone and I was able to get a call out. Um, <clears throat> most, you know, most people didn't have that. Right. So, you know, for the next <clears throat> several days um, when I would bump into people, even just acquaintances I've met um, on the Island over the years that I've been there, you know, I would take their name <clears throat> and a, a phone number of a contact person in the States and I would call them. How long did it take, Nate, before, I mean, I, things aren't any, anywhere near close to normal, even still, you know, and the date that we're recording this is the first day of winter, December 21st, mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, it's been three months now, like you said, day 92 or so of this disaster. <clears throat> yeah. And But how long did it take before the shock was gone and people were like, okay, let's start seeing what we can do to rebuild? Well, <clears throat> I mean, everyone is still, um, I mean, the shock for a lot of people is, is gone. But now it's just uh, the pain of rebuilding and um, the desperation for help. Um, there's just not a lot of uh, outside help coming in. It's it's like we feel like we're forgotten about. Oh, sure. So what is the status on, let's start with Vieques. We can talk about greater Puerto Rico, but let's start, talk about Vieques. Are the roads open? Can people drive places? I guess that's the first question. Yeah, the roads are in Vieques. Um, they're all passable at this point. Um, and most of that was due to um, residents out there with you know, their own personal chainsaws clearing the roads mm. immediately after the storm. We just didn't have the infrastructure in place. We didn't have um, uh, like line crews or anybody out there um, until weeks after the storm. So it's everyone was just neighbors helping neighbors. You know, to this point, um, or up until this point, that's pretty much what it's been. It's just um, everybody helping each other. Wow. Electricity. No electricity yet? No electricity. Um, at least not from the grid. And, you know, there's very, very small crews working on getting um, new electric poles up and lines repaired. There is um, a generator on the islands that can run sections of it. Um, and that is, you know, has just been turned on um, about a week ago. Wow. And it's, you know, it's incredibly expensive. It costs about $9,000 a day in diesel fuel to run it, from my understanding. And it's, you know, it's like anything else. It hasn't been maintained in a very long time. So parts break um, and then, you know, it goes dark again. And not everyone has access to it. Basically, the closer you are to the main town, um, the more likely it is that you'll have electricity. Uh, but that's, you know, a temporary, that's a Band-Aid. Um, so it's going to be a very long time before we actually have electricity from the grid. Um, some estimates have it as late as uh, June of this year, potentially later. So, you know, it's just uh, not quite sure. You know, a lot of people have their own small generators to run, you know, their refrigerator and things like that. Wow. But it's just, then you get to the problem again with having no gasoline on the island. So it's just, it's just a vicious circle that um, is incredibly frustrating. Lots of people have left the island. Probably um, a lot of people estimate that around 2,000 people have left Vegas alone. And on the, in the bigger picture, about, um, I don't know, 200,000 Puerto Ricans in, in general or in total have left Puerto Rico. Wow. There's no, no services to take care of basic human needs. 
So people are like, I can leave, but what about those who can't? Right. I mean, it's for me to leave, um, you know, that's a luxury, but there's many people that can't. So um, a lot of them are asking for help and they're trying to get help in the mail. You know, um, shipments are late. Um, some things never arrive or they do a month or two later. So it's just, it's difficult to get anything. What about food? Food isn't um, that easy either. Um, if the ferries are running or not, um, you know, the supply trucks can come over. And recently the, the ferries have you know, we've only had one ferry operating. So, you know, food delivery trucks will only come over maybe a couple times a week instead of, uh, you know, twice a day or something. So it's not easy. Uh, the military, the United States military was um, distributing MREs, you know, the meals ready to eat um, up till, I mean, I got a box last week, <laughs> which is ridiculous, you know, 90 days and you're eating um, MREs. Wow. You know, that's to me, that's something that should happen within the first couple of days. And then, you know, you shouldn't be getting any more of those. Um, so it's just it's really hard. There's um, a couple of organizations uh, that opened uh, food kitchens in partnership with restaurants that had the commercial kitchens, obviously. So they were feeding you know thousands of people every day. They were delivering hot meals and they opened up their their restaurants only to people that needed a meal. Um, so that was great. Wow. Um, but besides that, it's just, it's difficult to get the basics. Well, you know, there are other things that are maybe less obvious, things like medications. Without electricity, without refrigeration, um, a lot of medications go bad and people depend on these things. Has that been a big issue there? That's been huge. And actually, uh, the hospital in Vegas has been condemned uh, because of damage. There's mold issues. Uh, part of the roof collapsed. So they're operating under military tents. Mm. Um, and those are all running off of generation and uh, uh, solar panels at this point. So they're, <laughs> they're literally doing operations in the dark. Um, I saw a picture that someone posted on Facebook the other day. Um, that showed a surgery happening in the dark because the lights went out and someone's using a phone, uh, the flashlight on their phone, to light the surgery. So it's uh, it's incredible. Well, I don't know about our listeners, but that's enough to make me furious. Yeah, no, it is. It's, um, you know, all Puerto Ricans are United States citizens. And, you know, <clears throat> in a country as wealthy and powerful as ours, we shouldn't be living in conditions like that. Not 90 days after a hurricane. Right. It's, uh, it's inexcusable. Wow. Well, and you mentioned earlier that there's still a boil order on the water. It's not potable yet, but how do people boil it? If they don't have electricity, is there gas flowing that people can use to boil? Or are we talking about trying to scrape up sticks? It's, uh, I've seen, I've seen lots of, uh, creative ways to do it. Um, a lot of people are, uh, using, you know, just a, a gas grill, a propane grill. And a lot of residents have a, a propane stove in their house. So, um, that's, um, it's not a huge concern. It's not like, it's not unattainable to do that. There's also a couple of organizations that were doing enormous water purification systems in central locations. And then another organization was, distributing water purif uh, purification systems in neighborhoods. So that was good. Well, you know, it's common after a disaster like this for disease to break out. Uh, have you guys managed to skirt that, or is that starting to hit too? Nothing too serious. Um, there's I mean, The mosquitoes after the storm were awful, and they're still pretty bad. But I haven't heard of any mosquito-borne illness going around. Um, there was conjunctivitis and a couple of other minor things, but nothing too serious that I'm aware of. Well, that at least has spared you so far. <laughs> wow. Yeah, so that's, that's, that's something. Mm. And I must be crazy then to, to go out and look across the beach and say, you know, this is paradise, but it's not paradise anymore, you know? Well, I mean, it, it's not, no, it's not as beautiful as, as it was um, initially. And it'll take some time to clean up. I mean, everyone has been really great. We have tons of volunteers in the island, tons of residents, all clearing up the beaches and their yards and things like that. Um, we just don't have the heavy equipment. You know, typically December is one of our busiest months of the year for tourism. 
and it's just not going to happen this year. We're not ready. We don't have stable electricity. We don't have stable water. Um, even, you know, flights or the flight schedules are minimal. The ferry is minimal. So it's like getting back and forth for a tourist is extremely difficult. So it's, you know, we're hoping to salvage some part of the season, some part of the winter in the spring. Um, if we got some outside help to restore the electric grid, you know, we have a chance. But tourism is the number one industry in the island. So without that, a huge percentage of the population doesn't work. Mm. So it's, you know, a lot of people are, they have to leave. It's official. Winter has arrived and Bentgate Mountaineering is prepared to help you get ready for your epic winter. Come check out the latest in Alpine Touring, Telemark, NTN, and Splitboarding gear. They have brands like Black Crows, DPS, Dinafit, G3, Icelandic, K2, Technica Blizzard, Arcteryx, Mammoth, Solomon, Vole, Neversummer, Jones, and BCA. And you do need to be safe out there. Bentgate has the latest in avalanche safety gear. They have beacons, airbags, shovels, and probes, and they're ready to help you educate yourself on snow safety. They also rent out gear, so you can get your skis and your boots there, as well as your avalanche safety equipment. What's more, they also have free demo ski days at local resorts, so you can try out the latest gear. Now, how much fun does that sound? So swing by Bentgate in Golden, Colorado, or go to bentgate.com to find your new gear, as well as to get updates on all of their events. Economic impact, a lot of people think about how much it costs to rebuild, but the reality is that when the jobs are all gone, then the economy just has to kind of shut down. I mean, you've got people helping people, and that's the beauty of the human race. People tend to step up to the plate and help each other through difficult times, and that's, that's when humanity is at its best. But to get normal economic functions back again, you know, where people are earning money, buying food, <laughs> driving cars. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. How long will it be before things are normal? Well, I'm, I'm hoping not too long. I'm, I'm optimistic on that. Um, I think I'm, I'm really hoping for the spring, early spring, um, you know, late February, March, April. Um, I think at that point we could kind of get back on track. Um, I mean, not to, uh, to where we were last year, which was a great season. But um, if we can save something, so I know that still sounds like a, a long way away, but you know, if we can make it through the next eight or nine or 10 weeks um, and just, just keep going, you right. know, we'll just kind of do what we can. Well, let's talk about your uh, fundraiser organization because I, I got to say one more thing before we do. And, you know, it's just my personal opinion. I uh, I was offended when I saw the the footage of President Trump throwing paper towels. I and you know whether you're pro Trump or anti Trump that that doesn't matter. I was I was offended by that, you know, like as if you know a, a roll of paper towels is going to make a difference at this point. You know what I mean? Um, people need yeah, bigger help. That than was that. incredibly insensitive. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's not you know you're not going to sop up the mess with uh, paper towels. It's going to take. You know, it takes a village to raise a child. They say, you know, it takes a whole nation to help. Um, I mean, Puerto Rico is part of the United States. It's like we're essentially um, the size of a state as far as population goes, about 3 million total. It's like that's a lot of people that need a lot of help. And our infrastructure is in a complete disarray. It's a disaster. And, you know, a roll of paper towels isn't going to help that. It's like, you know, send down teams of um, power workers um, you know it's like just do something at least acknowledge that we have a huge problem right and it's not a simple fix which was the message he sent out um, from my point of view was that it's a simple fix you can do it in no time at all which is not the case well I can say this the way that you describe how people are helping people and the resiliency of the people that is about the only 
bright mark on this story right now. Yeah, I mean, that's the way um, the culture is. Everyone helps each other. That's the way it's always been. Um, And I just, I love that. That's why I didn't, you know, I could have left before the storm. Could have easily left. Could have left days after the storm. Um, I didn't because that's my home. Right. Absolutely. Well, let's talk about uh, the your fundraising organization. Uh, you're trying to make a difference here. It's called viecusready.org. And what are the main purposes of Viecus Ready? So what we're trying to do, Kurt, is um, I found that just, just before Irma, when we weren't sure if that hurricane was going to hit us or not, you know, I was out preparing... So just, you know, aside from getting my business boarded up and and the boat and all that stuff. So just on a personal level, you know, I went out and spent, I don't know, $100 on extra groceries just in case we were without power for, you know, a week. And I, you know, went and got 15 gallons of gas for my generator and just things like that. You know, so I probably spent $200, which to a lot of people, that's you know, that's way too much. That's rent money. You know, that's, they don't have that. They don't even have, you know, 20 bucks to go buy some extra, you know, drinking water or anything like that. So, so after Irma and, you know, we were lucky, luckily spared by that. it's like, you know, there's a lot of people that need help here that could not prepare for a storm. So, um, I had some help in the States with friends who had internet connections at the time because I didn't have it after Irma even. Um, so they helped me set up a nonprofit organization. And the whole idea behind it is that we want to help people who need some extra assistance to prepare for a storm. And that way, um, less of the population is reliant on assistance, outside assistance, whether it's government assistance or um, other international aid organizations, just to help them be more comfortable and more prepared. So you know, if, if people come to us and they say, you know, we need food, you know, we can get them food. Um, if they need gas or diesel for their generator or something like that, we can help with that. If they need shelter, you know, we want to have a safe place for them to go. Mm. Um, if they, you know, maybe elderly people need help putting plywood on their windows, um, you know, we can get a team together to do that. So there's lots of things um, that people either – um, you know, don't know that help is available or, you know, just maybe are too proud to ask. I mean, there's a lot of variables. So we just want to make it a comfortable thing that, um, you know, we'll, if you ask for help, we'll do our best to get you help. And that's going to be uh, kind of the long term. And what we want to do is, you know, after Maria, obviously all the roads were blocked. <clears throat> and so what I want to do is do a neighborhood-based system where every, um, we call them barrios, where every neighborhood has um, basically a safe building that is a shelter and a kitchen and kind of a storehouse for all these goods. So everyone can walk to them if they need to after a storm hits. Um, And even before a storm hits, what we want to do is have educational programs. So, um, you know, I was actually talking to one of my neighbors who we ended up helping. And she's like, I, you know, I can't afford to go spend $150 on groceries before a hurricane. And I said, you don't have to. If you buy, you spend, you know, 50 cents or a dollar or $2 every week when you go grocery shopping and put everything aside in a cabinet and say that's your hurricane season supplies, you know, then it's, it's easy to do. Um, so just kind of educating people in how to prepare for these kind of things and, and uh, also have uh, communications um, and a, a way to relay that, you know, after a storm that, yes, you're okay, we can, we can get communications out because every sensor will have a satellite phone and other communications because uh, that was critical. Oh, yeah. Well, if, you, if uh, our listeners go to viecusready.org, and let me spell that, uh, V-I-E-Q-U-E-S, ready.org, then there's a little bit more information there. There's also a donate button. So if people want to get involved by giving a little bit, you know, if everybody gives just a little bit, it really adds up. Uh, you mentioned that you've raised about $25,000 to date, but you're hoping to raise like 100000 right, so that you can meet the goals of your organization. 
Right. We'd like to raise about $100,000 for the first year um, and uh, an equal amount in every subsequent year. And what we're really trying to do is open the first the first safe building, the first, uh, we're, we're calling them ready centers, the first Vieques ready center. We want to do that in early 2018, so just around the corner, and get that ready as a model. And uh, we're going to open it up to the community so they can come and see what we're all about. And then hopefully we can raise some more money and um, other residents um, may be interested in donating or opening their own that will be managed by us. Mm. So we'll set up the model and get it ready to go. So we figured it'll cost about $100,000 to do that. And once we get it going, um, then we'll open it up. So we're excited about that. You know, it's crazy because with a number of listeners that we have, if everybody just gave five bucks, you'd blow your, you'd blow your, uh, your your goal out of the water there. It doesn't take a lot if everybody does a little. No, exactly. I mean, if everyone, that would make an enormous difference and that could get us to our goal pretty quickly. And I mean, if you think about just giving up your morning coffee, you know, once a week, um, just, you know, the, the, like you said, like that $5, we could get to that goal very quickly. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. No doubt about it. Well, that's viecusready.org and I encourage people to get involved. And why not help out, you know, our fellow citizens in Puerto Rico? And we have a way to do that on Vieques through the work that Nate's doing. Nate, it's, it's, a, it's a real honor that I was able to make your acquaintance before this all came through and to know you now. What have you been able to do through the organization so far? So, so far, we've helped um, about a dozen families in our neighborhood that uh, we helped right away after the storm um, basically going door to door and, uh, we knew some people that needed help and then they knew someone else that needed help. So, um, right after the storm, we were just basically feeding people. And, um, I actually hosted about 20 people a night at my house. Uh, my door was open and I just said, if you know people that need it, if you know people that need a meal, um, we're there every day at five. Um, just because we, you know, you can't call, you can't do any of that. Right. So we said every day at five o'clock, I will be home and there will be a hot meal. I don't care who comes, bring whoever needs it. So that went on for probably six weeks. Um, and then after that, you know, people kind of got back on their feet a little bit. Um, they, you know, they, um, had access to food and, and, uh, were able to cook and things like that. But there were still about a dozen families that needed a little bit extra, so uh, we would shop for them and just, you know, drop off food and check in with them, some elderly people, um, and then some single mothers with kids. And uh, we would even drop off hot meals and things like that. Nice. And uh, right. right now we're installing a small solar array um, on a house that's kind of central in that neighborhood. And the idea is that there are, um, it's the main house, um, and then she has uh, a few apartments, too. So there's several people that live there. And the idea is to uh, power one refrigerator so that, you know, four families can use it and then also um, allow them to do laundry. Um, you know, when we have running water, you can run a washing machine off of the solar panels uh, and then, you know, you hang dry, obviously. But that became a huge, a huge problem, too, is people couldn't do laundry. So after, you know, three weeks, um, it's something that nobody thinks about, really. So that's another thing we were doing is having uh, neighbors over the house just to do laundry. So yeah. wow. um, just like everyday things where you don't even think about, you know. Oh, yeah. I mean, if the electricity goes off, I mean, everyone's experienced this. The electricity goes off at your house and, and you walk into the room, you flip the light switch. You know, the light's yeah. been out for five hours. You still flip the light switch. You're like, what? Oh. Dang it. It's, it's the stuff you don't think about that you take for granted. Um, and what used to, to challenge us is that we were on a well. So if the electricity was out, the water didn't flow either. And we'd go to the, to the tap and turn on the water and start to wash our hands. We'd be like, wait a minute, it's gone. And how yeah. long did it take before, <laughs> before that, that stopped happening? You're like, okay, there's no sense in trying. I know now. Yeah. Oh, I, I still will walk into a room and, and hit the light switch and I'm like, oh yeah, it's, it's been three months. It's not going to work today. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So it's just, it's funny. It's just a habit. That is so crazy. It's the stuff we think we take for granted. Well, let's talk a little bit about your business, Marauder Sailing Charters. One way that people can help 
is by helping to jumpstart that economy in Vieques again. And that means go visit. Go take advantage of those beautiful turquoise waters and the amazing weather and escape the cold. So Marauder Sailing Charters, your boat suffered some damage. Uh, how long will it be before you're up and running again? Yeah, the boat suffered some damage, and it's uh, being repaired as we speak. And I'm, I'm guessing... Um, I plan to reopen in the early spring, um, possibly the end of February, somewhere around that time frame, um, just because I want to get the projects for Vegas ready, finished up before I kind of move over back mm. to uh, back to the sailing charter. I just um, I'm not sure how much tourism there'll be at this point, but I mean the beaches, yeah, the beaches are still beautiful. They haven't gone anywhere, um, so I, I, I do hope some people will come down. Um, but just be aware that it's. It, it's maybe a little bit of a struggle. So I think, you know, the further we go as we get into January, February, um, I'm, I'm hoping it'll normalize a bit. Um, and then I am desperate to go sailing. It's been three months, basically. So can't wait. <laughs> well, you know, most of our listeners are out there on purpose choosing to put themselves in places where they don't have the everyday services at their disposal. They go backpacking, they go mountain climbing, they go adventure traveling so that they can get a feel for living without those things. So why not go to Vieques? <laughs> and, you know, you can be a part of what's going on there to help out, and you can be a part of helping that economy just by visiting, you know, by spending a little bit of money on, on an adventure in Vieques, you can make a real difference. Yeah, no, that's that's very true. And uh, I, a lot of the restaurants have already reopened. They worked really hard, I have to say. The restaurants were the first to reopen, and they knew there was no tourists here um, in Vieques, obviously, but they, they did it for everyone else, the community, just to have some kind of like a meeting place, somewhere to go and just pretend the whole thing didn't happen and go have a meal and, uh, you know, just sit and chat and catch up. So most of the restaurants are open and a lot of the smaller boutique hotels are reopened. Um, and there's a couple I know of that are doing deals. I'm not sure how long the last were, but... Uh, they're running deals to get 50% off your stay if you volunteered for half a day doing mm -hmm. something in the community. So it's like, you know, great deals. And a lot of people have taken them up on that offer. It's a, it's a great, great offer. Um, and I was talking to uh, one of the owners of the hotel, and she said that, um, you know, they, the guests came down. And they volunteered for about four hours and they said, well, we're not done yet. We're going to stay for the whole day. And what can we do tomorrow? Even right. though they already you know, got their discount. So they weren't there for the discount. They were there to help. Um, so there's plenty of opportunities to do that if, if anyone's interested. And, you know, picking up some debris on the beach isn't a bad way to spend a, a winter day, you know? Oh, yeah. Well, the name of your website is MarauderSailingCharters.com. So MarauderSailingCharters.com. So people should keep their eyes peeled there to see when your opening date is going to be so they can start chartering, huh? Yeah, for sure. Yep. So um, like I said, we're, we're planning to open as soon as possible, um, but I just want to make sure our community is taken care of first before I get back into it. Right. Um, but when, when we restart, you know, the boat will be pretty and painted again and all that. So we're, we're looking forward to it. And my a lot of my crew mates are in the States now. Um, they, you know, had to, had to move to, uh, be with family and, and do that for the holidays. And, uh, they will be returning, um, as soon as we're ready. So right on. What was it like? I, let me say it this way. People always imagine what it might be like to weather a hurricane, but what surprised you about it? You know, what did you not expect? It's, it's hard to say. I mean, I guess just the, the length of the storm, the duration, and kind of the buildup for it, I mean, the forecasting has gotten so accurate, um, and we have the, the forecasting so far in advance that, um, you know, I felt like I could prepare myself and, and um, anyone else that needed some help, I helped prepare. But <clears throat> it's like once you get to that point, you're just waiting, and you're watching the satellite images, and you're watching the radar and all the updates, and you're like, let's just get it over with, you know? <laughs> right. Um, and then when it finally comes, it's it was much, much longer than I expected. Um, you know, the storm slows down, it kind of gets, uh, it's rebuilding energy and, uh, it just stalls out for, you know, 12, 16 hours. So mm. just the whole duration was shocking. Wow. And, uh, forget, forget about getting any sleep. 
It's just, it's loud, loud. Feel like a freight train's going through your living room? Yeah, yep, that's exactly what it was. And you hear um, debris flying around and smashing into houses and cars and things. You just, you don't know what it is. So that's kind of nerve-wracking. I can't imagine. I can't imagine what that's like. Well, congratulations on coming through it. Congratulations on being one of the people that could step up to the plate and help others. I think that's wonderful what you're doing. And once again, viecusready.org, that is the way that our listeners can participate in making a difference in Viecus. Let's talk about the island a little bit, Nate. I want to remind people how unique Viecus is and some of the things that it has that are, are kind of special. I mean, in, the, in our last show, I'm, I'm testing my memory here, but we were talking about how the island terrain changes and how on one side the beaches are one way, and on the other side the beaches are another. And then we're talking about um, sort of the bioluminescence that's around that area and that sort of thing. Can you just describe for us what makes Vieques Vieques? So Vieques is special, and the reason why I decided on the island and why I moved there uh, was because it's, it's very small. It feels like a small town. There's only about 9,000 residents um, on an island that's uh, 22 miles long by four miles wide. So it's, it's a huge space, but there's so few people. And it's just completely undisturbed, untouched beauty. I mean, there's hundreds of beaches um, you know, surrounding the island that go from uh, completely jet black to powder white. Um, in the span of several miles. It's just incredible. Um, And when you're on the beach, even during, you could be there on New Year's Day where any other beach in the Caribbean is completely packed shoulder to shoulder in Vieques, you could be the only couple there. It's Mm. um, it's incredible. It's very special. And um, besides the beaches, the Bioluminescent Bay, uh, which is the brightest in the world, um, has the highest concentration of dinoflagellates um, which are the organisms that actually glow when disturbed. It's kind of a greenish greenish light when they're disturbed. Um, so there's um, per one gallon of water, there's about one million um, versus about, um, I don't know, 100,000 per gallon in just out in the open ocean. So it's just incredibly, incredibly bright. Um, so when you're kayaking through, it just you leave a trail of glowing water behind you. And just to be kayaking at night, um, and looking up at the stars with zero light pollution and then the glowing water around you is just, it's indescribable. You cannot photograph it. It's, you have to be there. It's a once in a lifetime opportunity. It just sounds magical. It, it sounds like it's otherworldly. You know, when I have an experience like that, where I'm like, am I sure I'm still on earth? <laughs> Those moments are special. And that's what you're talking about. Yeah, that's that's what it's all about. I mean, you can go from there's a couple of companies that do horseback riding on the beach. So you can go from horseback riding on the beach to sailing midday. And then at night you go to the bioluminescent bay. Mm. It's um, you can squeeze it all in in one day if you want. It's just incredible. Nice. Very nice. What's the water like there? It's a little bit. um I hate to say it's getting cold now um, because it's still about 78 degrees. Um, <laughs> nice. But, <laughs> but I mean, it's, it's beautiful. It's, you know, the beaches are, are getting cleaned up and um, it's mostly just some patches of seaweed left over on the beaches uh, that blew in from the storms. But uh, besides that, they're pretty much back to normal. So a lot of turquoise water, I assume. What about scuba diving? Is that a thing there? Yep. Yeah. The water's turquoise for the most part. Uh, scuba diving is a thing. There are a few companies and I've seen on their, um, on their Facebook feed and their Twitter feed and all that, that, um, they've been diving recently and the visibility has been uh, pretty good. It's clearing up and the turtles are back and the fish are brilliant. If you've never been, they do lessons. Um, even if you're a professional certified diver, um, there's lots to see too. So it's it's definitely a great place to go. What about uh, kite surfing? Much of that going on? Kite surfing hasn't really caught on here yet. Um, so I'm not sh- quite sure why, because I think it's it looks pretty cool. I haven't tried it myself, but I've seen you know a couple of folks that have uh, brought their own. It's not part of any tour group or anything um, or any lessons, but I've I've seen people. They look like they're having a great time. 
if someone wants to come down and open a business doing that, I will be your first customer. <laughs> right on. There's just so much that you can do on a tropical island like that. And that's the reason why I keep on bringing stuff up. I mean, if you get tired of laying on the beach and building sandcastles, there's there's enough to occupy <laughs> time forever. There is plenty to do, and we've got some fantastic restaurants. The food is great. Uh, lots of the There's a lot of uh, micro farms on the island um, that are starting to come back now. So once they get, get going again, all the restaurants will have all of their local produce, which is fantastic. Nice. You know, we might be smack dab in the middle of winter these days, but spring is really just right around the corner. Make sure you've got one of our lightweight camp stoves ready to go in your pack for when the weather starts turning warmer. Both the 180 stove and the 180 flame are designed to burn the abundant wood fuels you find on the ground instead of requiring you to haul in heavy, messy camp fuels. Take a minute to head on over to our site at www.180tack.com to check out these American-made stoves that are built to last. You'll be helping us, and you'll be helping the Adventure Sports Podcast. Thanks, guys. big part of the island that's some sort of a preserve right is there hiking and and stuff like that there well about two-thirds of the island is um, national wildlife reserve some of it is restricted area but um, a good percentage of it uh, the beaches anyway you can get to Um, there are some hiking trails that um, are maintained along the cliffs that overlook the ocean which is spectacular well, Nate, it's been really, really great to get an update from you about what happened with the hurricane, you know, and, and how the island is recovering. Um, what else do we need to cover here? What would you like our listeners to hear about Vieques right now? Well, I would just say, uh, you know, keep an eye on the headlines. And uh, when you're freezing this winter, think about Puerto Rico as a vacation destination. Uh, keep that in mind. Keep Vieques in mind. Uh, the beaches, as I said, they're they're uh, they're definitely getting cleaned up. They're still beautiful. The water is, is beautiful. When you're in the deep freeze in January, don't forget about the islands. Definitely come down for a vacation. So get out your calendar. Get out your calendar. <laughs> Write down Marauder Sailing Charters, <laughs> right? Put it on the calendar so you'll be reminded, oh man, that's the place. That's right. And viecusready.org. I've said it probably 10 times now. I want people to get that stuck in their heads. Viecusready.org. That's how you can help. And like Nate said, I love the idea. If if you want to go down there and donate some time helping with the cleanup, that might be a better life experience than just a vacation. Yeah, there's plenty of those opportunities. And um, if anyone sends sends us an email through um, the VHSReady.org website, I'd be happy to link you up with uh, a small boutique hotel that is offering the deals and things like that. And any if you want to help serve food in the kitchen or if you want to do beach cleanups or any type of that, uh, any of those type of things. I'm happy to link anybody up. I think we ought to describe your boat, Nate, just so people know what to expect if they want to do the boat charter too. Sure. So Marauder is a vintage 1969 um, classic monohull sailboat, and she'll be 50 in just a couple of years. So we're actually looking, we're about to do a, a remodel and repaint job anyway, just to get her looking um, all beautiful again. Once we're ready to go for the season, uh, what we do is we do uh, sailing is our primary activity. Um, so we'll sail for an hour or so, so you get a full view of the islands. And then we'll drop anchor in a nice calm bay. Everyone's welcome to go swimming. If you want to do some snorkeling, we've got all the equipment and we have a professional guide to take you out. And then we do a, a nice gourmet lunch that's made with all local ingredients. Um, and then that's ready after you get out of the water. And, you know, we just enjoy lunch, have some drinks. We're famous for our pina coladas that we make uh, fresh. Every single one is is hand-poured and shaken, so um, they're not, not pre-made at all. And then, uh, yeah, so we just hang out, um, go to the beach, and uh, sail back. And usually it takes about half a day or so, so by the time you get back, you're ready to go 
go back to your hotel or guest house and get changed up and then go dinner. Nice. What a great way to spend a day. I tell you, I said on the first show when you were describing it, I've got to get my family down there. And every time I hear about it, it makes me want to go even more. It's uh, it's just a, a really attractive sounding experience and a great place to go visit. So, all right, man. Well, thank you so much for not just sharing, but sharing from the heart, you know, what's going on still in Puerto Rico and what it was like to, to go through the devastation of Hurricane Maria. Well, thank you very much for giving me the opportunity, Kurt. And uh, also thank you uh, for reaching out to me immediately after the storm. Um, I did get your message eventually, so um, I did appreciate that. Thank you for thinking of all of us. Well, you bet. And uh, hopefully your family does get down here soon, and we'd love to have you down. Well, we'll have to do it. It's uh, it's always a challenge for us, but we'll have to do it. We'd we'd love to make that happen. So. Well, I'm not going anywhere, so <laughs> I will be here whenever you're ready. <laughs> right on. I love it. All right. Well, thanks again. And for all of our listeners out there, wow, you know, rarely do we get to do a show like this where we're getting, you know, really the live update of what's going on in a corner of the world in a place that we should still be concerned about. And it's real easy to forget. But if you're there, you're not forgetting. If you're there, you're still dealing with it. So, you know, until the next show, I always say get out there and have some fun, but give it some thought. What about having some fun in Vieques? And how about helping out in the meantime by going to viequesready.org? Coming up on Monday, we're going to have Will Collins back on to tell us about the rest of the story of his canoe trip down the length of the Mississippi. Until then, get out and have some fun. You're not leaving yet, are you? Why don't you do yourself and us a favor and become a member of our Facebook group. In there, you can hear about some awesome adventures, learn how to do new ones, and share what you've been up to. And while you're on the web, do us a favor and go over to patreon.com slash adventuresportspodcast and consider becoming a patron to help the show. You can also find a link to patron at the top of our website at adventuresportspodcast.com. As always, thanks for listening, guys. Thanks for listening, guys.